I'm Rebecca Rothstein, and sitting in today is my co-host, Kim Garner. We'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week, we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out-of-the-ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well, they turned their childhood dreams into reality. So let's begin. Our guest today is Missy Robertson, who has lived life in the spotlight ever since her family's record-breaking reality show broke into television. The Duck Dynasty reality series portrayed the lives of the Robertson family and their family-owned business, Duck Commander, which makes products for duck hunters. The show broke several ratings records on A&E, but ended in March of 2017. Despite the increased publicity on her family and personal life, she has become a strong local and global voice for morality and virtue. She married her husband, Jace Robertson, at the age of 19 and has contributed heavily and has been an integral part of the Robertson family business, which includes her own jewelry line called Laminin. She is the author of a book titled Blessed, 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 which chronicles her raising of a child born with a cleft lip and palate, which led to the Mia Moo Fund that's dedicated to raising awareness and giving financial assistance to children with this disorder. She is a devoted mother of three children who focuses on having a strong, happy, and loving family. So let's find out how she does it all as we rewind to the beginning with Missy Robertson. We are going to start at the beginning, um, but we have a main focus that we want to get to today. So we're Mm going to sort of rush through the beginning so we can talk about what we want to talk about today. Give us the background of how this happened to your family. Get a little bit about your past history. Well, so I married at 19, married to Jace. Um, He was six days from being 21. We could not even rent a car at our honeymoon, on our honeymoon. (laughs) So that was interesting. So we were babes, but we had dated for almost three years. I had gotten to know his family through church, and they were a little different from mine with the whole beard and the whole we kill everything we eat kind of lifestyle. (laughs) And my dad was not a hunter. And so, um, you know, he was very clean cut and, and had a suit on every day and went to the office. So it was a very different lifestyle. And that's probably what drew me to that. It was just different. We dated for almost three years, got married. We actually saved ourselves for our wedding night. And like Jay he, he he says, you know, um, it wasn't really even successful that first night. It was more like a biology experience (laughs) (laughs) because we're trying to figure this out, you know. But we did do that. We had um, high standards for ourselves, and we wanted to please God. And so we started, again, very young and very poor. So he decided after he graduated seminary— because not, not a lot of people know that he did that. Then the church offered him an internship of a grand old whopping $800 a month. And, and I don't care how long you. ago that is. That is not enough money. No, that is not enough <laughs> so, money. To get married. So I quit college and went to work full time. And so we just, you know, our little apartment, and then we just grew from there. But what happened was with the company itself, with Duck Commander, around 1995, Jace went to work full-time with his dad because the company was growing. And Phil was like, I've I got to hire somebody to help me make these duck calls. I can't keep up. Well, Jace had done it most of his life when they needed extra help. So Duck Commander hired Jace full-time. Did he get time. paid more than $800 a month? He did, a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more than that. So I think I got to go to part-time, and we had our first baby and all of that. So he just has a knack. He has a passion because he is one of those few people, like Phil, who cannot wait until the alarm goes off at 3.45 in the morning to get up and go hunt ducks, which— to me, I'm like, I have no desire whatsoever. <laughs> that is a bizarro world to me. So, but now, you know, when we were first married, that alarm would wake me up and I wouldn't be able to go back to sleep. And I'm stressing that I got to go to sleep because I got to go to work and all, but I don't even hear that alarm anymore. It's Does he just, still get up at that time? Oh, yes. Really? 345, 350 is when his alarm goes off. Oh, yeah. 
I like so. it. I get up that time of the morning. I, I'm a banker. I work New York hours, so I'm usually at my office by five. Oh, bless I you. I love it. I think it's great. <laughs> There's no traffic. It's peaceful. Yeah, you once get, you're up, it's amazing. Yeah, once the you're up, it's nice. The energy is lovely at that time in the morning, but... Yeah. So I now I've tried it a couple like, times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for me. Was so. his family already starting to become successful when you yeah, guys were Yeah, so when we were dating, maybe first married, um, we would go on to these trade shows, like Ducks Unlimited Great Outdoors Festival was a huge one for us in Memphis, Tennessee. So we'd go and set up a booth where you pay, you set up a booth and you sell your products. And I remember early my early 20s where I thought, okay, what's going on here? Because I went to the restroom or to get something to drink and I came back and there's so many people crowded around. I'm like, who who are they? Who are they looking at? Like, what product are they lined up to buy? And I realized it was our booth. Phil had was sitting in there. Wow. They first made these videos on really on VHS, hunting videos. And most people did that to show their product. But there was something different about Phil and Sai and the men that he was hunting with. What that was at that time, I knew something was different about them. They were charismatic. They were funny. They were open. They were authentic. They poked fun at each other, and nobody got their feelings hurt. And if they did, then you were just the, uh, an extra target, you know? <laughs> so as they said, and I learned the phrase so thin-skinned. Like, I don't know. What, what does that mean? Don't be so thin-skinned. So there were things that just opened up a whole new world for me about authenticity, and that's what they were. And, and Phil named his company correctly when he called it the Duck Commander because he has a very commanding presence. He's 6'4", he's got this beard, but it's not just about the way he looks. It's just the way he acts and treats people, and you know, it's just a, a commanding presence. So you guys were basically pulled into the family business. How old were you now at this point? Oh, at that point, I I think early twenties. I don't think we had children yet. We were there to work. Couple years married, struggling out to make a living. Mm -hmm. And anytime Kay said, "Hey, we got a show," that meant extra money for us. Uh So I'm like, "We're going to that. It's cash. We're getting some cash on this." You know. So you walk into this. You walk into their family. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. And they they walked into ours too. So you know, like my dad says, you know, it was kind of a cold culture shock for them as well because the oldest brother Alan he and Lisa married but Lisa was kind of from that part of town she went to school with them knew their family but coming to town in quotes into the big town of West Monroe and not just on you know 30 minutes outside of town kind of brings a whole new perspective to them as well so it was you know church on Sunday morning people were actually in dresses and you know, wore suits and yeah, no, no, they they didn't they didn't do that. Did your and family it was integrate? Perfectly fine. You know, did your oh, family yes. integrate Absolutely. at that time? Like they they met your new family and Absolutely. everybody was like. Absolutely. Now I will say we dated, like I said, very young, and Jace went to my dad and asked him for my hand, which I had to tell Jace to do because he was like, "What? What does that mean?" <laughs> like, there's no social ethics that they were brought up with in regards to anything like that. I was like, well, if you ask me to marry, you have to ask permission from my dad. He was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, it's like, well, that's the way it happens, you know, out of respect. So he went to my dad, and I didn't even know when he was going to do this, but he went, and my dad said, no. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make this up. That's so funny. (laughs) But you have to remember, I was 17. Right. I was 17. He asked you at 17. He didn't ask me yet, but we had talked about it, and we were planning on getting married. But he married went to see your dad at 17. When I was 17. Yeah. So that's why. So my dad said, I'm not saying you can't get married one day, but it's a, it's a big fat no on giving her a ring. Because one, he was afraid once, once I got that ring, then I wanted to just go ahead and get married. So Jay said, well, Larry, because see, this is, this is where Jay says his little immature self came in because my dad is a preacher. Knows the word of God as well. And so Jace used a verse that Paul used about it is better to uh, to marry than to burn with passion. He used that on my dad. That was not very wise. Wow. <laughs> so that did not go over well. <laughs> so eventually he came around, of course, but they loved Jace from the outset because they saw his commitment to want to do the right things and his love for Jesus. And of course, they're all worried that their 17-year-old daughter is going right. to run off, you know, with this guy. What did you but, think about that? Oh, 
oh, he was, that was what I wanted. That was exactly what I wanted, was someone who I knew would lead my fam- me and my family to heaven. And you were okay with the fact that your father said, whoa, slow up here a minute? Yeah, I, yeah. Wa- I was upset. I was shocked, really, because he loved Jace. Right. He loved him. So now I was like, wait, what just happened? Right. So we talked, you know, through all of that, and I ended up getting engaged officially at 17, my senior year of high school. Wow. Did you have any inkling, knowing the family and um, that the success and all of this would happen? Not not. how it would show up. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Absolutely not. So this has just been a crazy journey for you all. Yes. There was something that drew me to Jace and drew me to the family. And I thought if everybody else, and even when when the company would grow and get more successful, the hunters were drawn to the family. And I did think, you know, if the rest of the world knew what I knew about this family, I just think that they would fall in love with them. Now, how did it go about that? I didn't have a plan nor a desire. I just thought that that one time. Because, I mean, Duck Dynasty broke records. It did. As far as reality TV. But, you know, like I said before, the hunters already were, were beginning to know about Phil and the videos and all of that. So Phil was kind of an icon in the duck hunting world. And we started selling a lot more videos, a lot more duck calls. I mean, when the Walmart orders came in, I mean, Jason and I were the ones who drove to Walmart in Bentonville, Arkansas, laid out the products and tried to sell them to the buyers. And it was always stressful for Miss Kay. She wanted to know as soon as we got in the car, we had to call her and let her know. And it was those were stressful times because that was our meal ticket. That's what fed our family was right. basically mm-hmm. that account. And so the more that the company grew, the more videos that were out there, then the more they wanted them. So then it was every year we had to make a new video. So it was filming all of the time. Well, um, we had a show called Benelli Presents Duck Commander on the Outdoor Channel because we started getting sponsorships for the videos, guns, camo, like Realtree, different ones like that. And so Benelli wanted to do a commercial, and they came to our town and had this funky little commercial going on and we're trying to tell Phil what to say on this commercial. It was Phil, Jace, I think Godwin, I can't even remember who all was in it. And Phil would not say what they were wanting him to say, you know, <laughs> obviously. Do it my they were like, way. okay, Phil, say this and they would say he'd say, Okay, turn the cameras on, let's go, you know, and he would go off on some rampage about something, <laughs> you know. So they're like, cut, you know, so Finally, um, Phil said, I know what to say. Turn the camera on. So they turned the camera on, and he went through, all you need in your shotgun is three things. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> and that was the commercial. And it won awards, you know. And so they, uh, the producers of the commercial for Benelli actually were employees of Benelli, and they are like, have y'all ever thought about doing a TV show? So that's wow. where it started. Really? And they produced for three years on the Outdoor Channel, Benelli mm-hmm. Presents Duck Commander, which was really just, again, for the hunting world. Right. But it opened it up from ducks to all of the hunting world. And then that caught the eye of Hollywood. Wow. And did A.E. Um, A&E specifically make your show from from, from, from success du- from the Outdoor yes, Channel? Yes, du- right. they, they're the ones that created Duck Dynasty, yes. Mm-hmm. And that was for how long? How many years? Five years, five years in a month, I think. And what was that experience like for you guys? Like to go literally in five yeah, years is incredible. Well, you know, we had a little bit of the success um, from the videos and notoriety of the men and then the the reality show on the Outdoor Channel that we went to Las Vegas for and dressed up for in the award show and that kind of deal. So we were kind of known already. But then, I mean, no one could have ever predicted the way Duck Dynasty blew up. I now, mean, during all of this time, you started to have children. Yes. So t- l- let's talk. Let's go back to your personal life. So okay. you're ha- you're married. You guys are doing this. You start mm-hmm. working in the business part time while holding another full time job. So you're getting involved, and now you start having children. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Okay. So in ninety five, three children. Three children. In ninety five, we had our first son, Reed, and that was the same year Jace went to work for Duck Commander. So I worked uh, part time at a large OBGYN clinic. So for, for 10 doctors, I worked there for 12 years, loved my job, um, and I was able to work part-time, and my mom kept the kids for me, and then I would go home and get them and spend the rest of the day with them. It was great. So he's 23 now. 
Reed right? is 24. 24. Reed is 24. Mm-hmm. Cole is 20, 21. And Mia is 15. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, it was a very simple life, really. Um, Jace would get up and go to work down at Phil and Kay, sometimes in his pajamas. I mean, it was not a very stressful environment for him. More for me, getting up, taking the kids to my mom's or to school and going to work in town and then having to pick them up and take care of everything at the house. Right. But, and then he would come and home. And take care of your husband and right. his father. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and duck season was the hardest time, actually, because duck calls weren't, uh, we weren't able to stop making the duck calls just so they could hunt. So he would go hunting sometimes all day long and come home, and my kids would go to sleep to the sound of rant, rant, boom. <laughs> Get it? Rant, rant, boom. That's just hitting the box, you know. Now, just don't, in, I don't want to say this in an offensive way at all, but wasn't there a lot of his family involved in your life? How was that for you? It was not anything different. It was the way I knew it because I loved it. Mm-hmm. My parents, we they moved from West Texas to where we are in Louisiana, so they came with no family. So I didn't have grandparents and cousins around me. So when I married into him, it was an instant family. Right, I had like instant brothers and sisters. Yes, family. it was wonderful. And dynamic individuals. Absolutely. Very big personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we all started having kids, you know, our, our kids were growing up together. Right. I'd never had anyone like that in my life. So it was fantastic. It was great. I loved it. Yes, absolutely. Christmases were huge. Huge and fun and exciting and it was wonderful. It's great. Yes. And you had a good sports system. Who yes, can watch absolutely. the hits? Can you come over pick up the kids? Can you yes. come over do yeah? <laughs> yes. And my parents were there too as well. So okay. they were able to pitch in. But yeah, as the the family dynamics were wonderful. Are you an only child? No, I have a brother. I have one brother, but he lives in Texas. So he, you know, we're just not I just didn't have a large family around right. me. So, so you he were, didn't want to move and be a part of Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! He had a successful, successful business of his own. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. I mean, you know, this Duck Dynasty thing didn't happen until I was forty. So, I mean, our lives were pretty much in motion. Right. (laughs) That must have been an unbelievable experience to go from just living this lovely little life to. Boom! Yeah. Literally. And, um, and there was no place you could go. There wasn't a supermarket rack that you couldn't go to oh, that no. didn't have a front page story about that. I will that say dynasty. this. I freaked out. Well, not visually, but like I freaked out really. I was in Walmart one day and I was checking out or whatever. And when I turned to leave to head towards the door, you know, they used to have the photography studio by the doors in Walmart. I don't know if y'all, y'all are familiar with know, that but... here in LA. I don't know if they have that yeah. or not. Okay. So, but they would have just a little photography studio right beside the doors. And when I turned that way to exit, that photography studio was now the Duck Dynasty store of Walmart. <laughs> and I turned to go and I thought, That's all so I could funny. see were, My husband, my father-in-law, all these beards, pictures of our family— selling everything you could possibly—all I want to do is run. So if you were to say, like, what is the best thing— about all of the success of this show, and and that, and then what was the hardest thing? Uh, no question, the best thing was being able to share our values with the world, and yeah, because a lot of um, spirituality, a lot of right, because in the media, you know, nowadays it, you're it's kind of weird, awkward. You're a weirdo if you if you believe in God and really live for that. If you really live on, for God's standards, and so. I think that we were able to show the world that you can be a Christian, you can stand up for what's right, and you're not weird. Right. <laughs> you're actually fun, right. and you understand the world around you. You're not living in a bubble. We get you're it. You're living from a kind heart. Right. A loving we're place. trying to. Mm-hmm. Right. We're trying to. We're not perfect, and, and none of us ever claim to be perfect, but we do know that we follow a perfect God, and if it wasn't for Him, where, where is the hope? Is this it? Is this all that life is? You know, there's a hope for eternity, and that's what we're living for. What was the decision that you made to write your book, Blessed, Blessed, Blessed? I wanted to share the story. I wanted to share the story. Had you ever um, written anything before? Not published, no. <laughs> but you had an in- an interest in writing? Yes, I did. And, uh, you know, the time was right. The time they were asking, you know, what our, our literary agents are like, what else you got out there? Because this is the time. And I'm like, you know, I would love to share our journey with Mia because one thing about Clef Lip and Palette is there was not much awareness about that. It was kind of a shameful thing because when you have a child born with basically a facial deformity, mm-hmm. 
it's not really something people like to talk about. Right. You know, so she put her face on TV for this. And we would get comments like, what's wrong with that girl? Is there something wrong with her? People were mean. I'll just say it. they're all mean. The time. I, I, we all right. started Instagram accounts when we first, you know, started the show. And after just a few months, I just deleted mine. I was like, I just can't put up with this. I just can't deal with it, you know. And she was getting her little iPod and having, you know, her own Instagram account at that time at 9 and 10 years old and following me. And so I just did not want her to see any of that. And so I just deleted it and got off for years and didn't even have an Instagram account. It was tough for her. I did not want her. I think she dealt with it very, very well, extremely well. She's 15 now. And some of those insecurities have surfaced. Mm. But at that time, she was like, I had surgery, okay? What, what's your problem? Like, she was just, go ahead and out, let's, let's just get it on out there and let's say it. But she's had multiple surgeries to correct the deficiencies of a cleft lip and palate. Mm-hmm. You can never say it's going to be fixed. It's not something no, but you can it's fix. Better. But you manage it, and it's not just about her appearance. It's so much more about eating. She's had eating problems her entire life. Really, the past few months, she's basically gotten a handle on that. She's almost 16 years old. Breathing, the breathing quality when you're a baby, you know, and you have all these holes basically in your head that are not supposed to be there. So we had to figure all of that out and was scary uh, with spit up and eating and, you know, food coming out places that it's not supposed to come out. Mm. So there was a lot of, of difficulty with that. And so I knew that the, that cleft lip and palate was more common than what most people were aware. And so we were able to put a, literally a face to what this um, what this deficiency and what this problem was. And I think that we did a, we did a really good job with that. We were authentic. I say we because Jace helped me with the book. I mean, I would write something and he would read it and say, you need to put this in there or take this out or whatever, you know, because we wanted to make sure that we were being honest. It's interesting because when I was um, preparing to meet with you today, um, I very recently had a dear, dear friend of mine pass away. She was a single person, no children, and she had a substantial amount of money. And one of the things that she decided, because when she was struggling with her cancer towards the end of her life, she watched nighttime television. And they have that organization, um, Operation Operation Smile or Smile Train, Mm -hmm. constantly was running ads, running ads, Mm -hmm. running ads, running ads. And when she passed away, she made a substantial donation Mm. to a doctor here at UCLA um, who goes around the world and helps children that are born with cleft lip and palate, yes, and changes their life. I mean, yes. so so when I was when I read that about your story, it's a very very tough problem to deal with. It is. It's hard for the mom. Oh my God, what happened? What happened? What happened? You know, what did I, I do? Yeah, what did you do wrong? Right. You know, mm-hmm. and then the child has a deformity that's right on their face. Right. You know, you can't hide it. It's not like you got a side. You know, something you know wrong that you. And can for cover a girl, you can't even grow a mustache. Right. Yeah, for a girl. <laughs> You know, so it's a really, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I was, I was overwhelmed. It made me, I, it was just, yeah, it, it touched me in a way. Well, I approached A and E first about um, doing an episode about it, and the executive producer she said, no, she 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 said no, we can we cannot do that. We cannot do that. I, I do not want the people laughing at you. I don't. I, I'm too scared that they will laugh at you because they're used to laughing. We're a funny show. Right. And we don't want to go too serious and we don't want them making fun of your daughter. I said, trust me, trust me. It it, it would be great. And actually Benelli Presents Duck Commander did a did an episode about it and it turned out awesome. It was wonderful. It and Willie dressed up as Santa Claus. We did a Christmas show and we had all the kids in our area that we had connected with that were born with cleft lip and palate for like a surprise party. And we brought their surgeons in and everything. And it was wonderful and funny mm-hmm. and heartwarming. So I'm like, you know, I think what got them was I said, if a gun company can do this, can a television company do it better? And the next thing I knew, they were like, okay, we're going to do it. Wow. And it became the hour-long season finale episode, you know. So, and it really did touch a lot of people's hearts. What a beautiful so, benefit, though, right. of all the right. success that you have a platform from a very Absolutely. authentic place yes. to be able to share the journey. Yes. 
and we what were it's all able about to and start educate people because people are mean when they're afraid and they don't understand. People are Absolutely, mean. it's fear that it's drives fear. that. Mm-hmm. But um, we were able to start a website, miamu.org, mm-hmm. and we have a charity, the mm-hmm. Miamu Fund, and it's named after her. It's about her. You know, it, it, that was the whole meaning behind it. But you know, we were one of those families that got the devastating news that worked for a living, that had insurance, and tried to do what was best for our family. And then after after the first two surgeries, we found ourselves in $12,000 worth of debt because we wanted a specialist. We could have gone to the guy down the road that formed a team and did them a couple times a year, or we could drive four and a half hours to Dallas to a specialist and pay more money. We chose to do that. We said, well, we'll be in debt. We want what's best for our child. Mm-hmm. Now, me, the Miamu Fund was created to help other families so that they don't have to make that decision. They can just say, we're going to go to the best one. Let's talk so, about that for a second so we can have our listeners, if they want to contribute, say the name, say it slowly. Okay. Mia, M-I-A, mm-hmm. Moo, M-O-O, mm-hmm. fund, F-U-N-D. MiaMoo.org. Right. Okay. MiaMoo.org. And what do you do with uh, donations that you get? All of the money that we raise goes to helping the families. We do not give the families directly the money. Uh, we have uh, my assistant Bonnie runs runs that for us, and she she vets. It's a it's an integral process, intricate mm-hmm. process, um, because we have a lot of people who try just to get free money, you yeah. know, for their mm-hmm. for bills. But she works with the doctors, with the hospitals, with all the medical staff for each individual family that applies. And after everything has been done, insurance has been paid. She even encourages doctors who to write off part of their bills. The very last thing that we get on the board, there's a few of us on the board, is her final results. Like, I recommend that we do this. We look through the whole thing, and we recommend it's usually around um, anywhere from a few hundred dollars up to five or 6000 mm-hmm. of what is left to pay, you know, that a family is responsible for because every child is different. It is not just, oh, you're just going to go get, get a surgery and fix it. A cleft, all that means is there's a hole somewhere. Right. And that hole can be anywhere, and it can be multiple. So each kid is going to be different. And at different stages of growth pattern, everything. I mean, everything they told us when Mia was born, none of it was on that timeline. And that, to me, I'm a planner. I'm a list maker. I'm like, okay, we're just going to go do this. We'll check this off, and we'll be done. And God laughs again. Yeah. (laughs) My mother always used to say, we plan and God laughs. (laughs) Right. So, you know— it's it's a way for us. What happened with us with me? Like, why did this happen? Why did this happen with Mia? I didn't take any drugs. We never drank any alcohol. I didn't. I did all the right things. Why? Why us? And that was the wrong question. Why not us? What makes us so special that we are going to miss out on the disciplines that God has for us? Not that He caused it, but He allowed it for us. And. And that reason, I, I believe personally, is to reach out and to to lean on him more. Maybe our life was way too good, way too perfect, way too planned in my expertise of a mom and you're having serving it all done. the world in a different way. And now look, right? right. So it's a different purpose. And I How is your daughter around? How is Mia around being, I mean, as a teenager, you could say, enough already. Let me just live my life. <laughs> yes. As opposed to let's lean in and I'm, you know, through yes. my experience. Yes. We've we've had some. Uh, she's been. She was great. She was great all through Duck Dynasty. Lots of lots of things going on. Activity, chaos, family, brothers in the house, and it seems like everyone left at the same time. The cameras left. Um, her cousins moved to Texas. Reed and Cole moved out. Basically, around the same six to eight month time frame. Wow, a lot of change. Yes, a lot of change. Lot of change. And she found herself alone. So um, we had some issues with her this past year, and she has no cell phone right now and hasn't for about four months. And, um, you know, I truly believe I'll say this. I don't know if you might have to edit it out, but Snapchat is from the devil. Yeah. I believe it with all my heart. I second that. That will never be allowed in our home. It's horrible. Yeah. It was created to hide things. It's So horrible. you don't put it in the hands of a Bullying. teenager who can't handle it. I'll say this. Jace um, got a hold of it and read everything she had written to and from her friends back and forth for almost a year. He said, and it's not good. 
because um, he called some of our crew that that are in Hollywood and said, "Can you get me into the back door of how, like Let's figure this out." Mm-hmm. Oh, they were. Like, oh yeah, we can get. It. They think it's deleted. It's not deleted. We'll no. show you how to get to it. And he read it, and it was devastating to us as parents. We trusted her. She let down our trust, and we've talked about this openly. She, we've shared it. So I'm not talking behind her back. We're we're having to uh, transform her mind. Basically, just like Roman says, yeah, it's, it's a, a huge, teenager. painful, it is, but good learning it is. experience. But it's been for good all. for her, even even her to see what links that we'll go to to protect her, because um, I was I took her and we left town. Basically, we fled for like a week. We just we just had to get away, and uh, Jace uh, called Corey, my sister in law, from across the street. She came over and told showed him how to do like a group Snapchat form a group message mm-hmm. and he sent it to all of a lot of me as friends and said um, the life that she knows is now over and you were a part of that I've read everything that you have written to her for the past year and you should be completely embarrassed and ashamed not only that but the thing that I have found consistently I have four sons just like so Miss Kay. <laughs> men, men boys are different than girls girls mm-hmm. are mean yes mean yep. and the one thing I know for sure is that the way that they talk to each other and the things that they say to each other mm-hmm. at that age are rooted in such evilness. Yeah. And they say such terrible things that they wouldn't say as adults. Exactly. But at or that to their age, face, even. Yeah, my, what you <laughs> said before, it. too. There's such insecurity with girls. Everyone. Yeah, you know, at, for them mm-hmm. and how they look. I mean, they're just basically right. it's just really tough. To other right. Girls. Well, that, that's the issue that we, we came to with Mia was she was looking for acceptance. Mm-hmm. It was a new school. And this, this group of girls accepted her pretty quickly. But what we've tried to instill with Mia is they're all wanting to be accepted too. They're all they're everybody all insecure. does. Everyone, everybody has yes, you're not. It's not just you. They do too. And so um, Jace actually told them in this message that you know you will not um, have a relationship in the future with my daughter unless you come to my house with your parents and bring your Bible. Right. And six out of the eight of them have done that. Love and so that. we were able to share. What, what we're about, what our home is about, what our lives are about. And if they want to be a part of that, absolutely that's awesome. Really, Missy, that's and, really And come incredible. on in. I love that. Because instead of just saying out of anger, you're out of our daughter's life. Right. It's like, here's an opportunity to come forward and really you know, know who we I mean, are. Jesus and gives us second it. chances all the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, every, it, it doesn't stop if you're in him. And so... What are we here for? I'm one, number one. I'm protecting my daughter. Don't yeah. don't get don't 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 come at me such again. A pain in the I mean, ass that. But, but <laughs> no we offense. we want to give her to the the ability to make that right decision. Okay, she got caught. You know, she got some things taken away, but her life is not over. Right. We're going to give you the opportunity to do the right thing, right. and so she's gaining some of that trust back. Right? Now, one of the greatest co- gifts you ever gave her. I hope so. Yeah. Did hope this so. coincide? With your jewelry, I want to talk yes. about your jewelry mm-hmm. business. Yes. <laughs> so this, you started that in 2016. I did. Was yes. this right around the time that she was starting to annoy the crap out of you? Oh yeah, but that was <laughs> I just chalked that up to just middle school because again I had I had two boys and they yeah. I, I, so much easier. Yeah, uh, huh, huh, way easier. You yeah. know, and 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 one of my boys wasn't super easy. You know, but with this, and I knew that, you know, I remember feeling this way towards my mom, like rolling my eyes and not really wanting to hear what she had to say. So I remember that. So I kind of chalked that up like to middle school behavior. But when it kept going, I thought there's there's a problem. Mm -hmm. There's a problem here. But in 2016, we were still filming Duck Dynasty. Mm -hmm. And so um, a friend of mine said I had just finished my clothing line with Southern Fashion House. And she was like, you should do jewelry now. A friend of mine in town that owned a boutique. And I was like, I really, I mean, I'm not really a shopper. I really don't like to shop, you know, just put me together something and I'll be fine with it. And because she would, my friend that owned the boutique, and she would just dress me like, here, you need to wear this and wear that. I'm like, perfect, great, let's go. And um, you look super cute today. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. She's taught me well. But um, she's like, we should do jewelry. And she had all these connections with all these suppliers because of her boutique. And Literally, to make a long story short, three times I said no. I was not interested. And when I said no, I was really saying it to God, not her. Like, you're giving me this opportunity. It's laid out. I have all this help. No, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it again. I mean, literally the third time I was like, why is this resurfacing? What am I supposed to be doing here? Okay, let's try it. And again, I really wasn't thinking about who I was hiring 
in in terms of helping someone get out of the lifestyle that they're in. And we'll get to that. I was really just thinking it'll just be women like me who had to work part time to support their family, but really wants to be with their kids. So let's just have a place where some soccer moms can come in and, you know, have some togetherness and have fun and then be able to go pick up their kids from school. And when we were ready to go, I asked Miss Kay, because she knows she knows a lot of women and she works with a lot of women. And I said, do you have anybody that, you know, needs an extra job or part-time job or something? And she was like, okay, I'll get back with you. Three days later, I had six women from her group, and every single one of them had a background of alcoholism or opioid addiction. Well, that video you show on your yeah. site is incredible. So I thought, huh, <laughs> is this the way I want to go? And I can't, they're here now. So I ended up hiring all six of them, and not just were they involved in being an alcoholic or an ex drug addict. But it came with sex trafficking. It came with abuse. It came with a whole lifestyle that I I had no idea really was that common out there. I knew people lived like that, but I thought that was L.A. Right. <laughs> or Detroit or not in West Monroe. Right. These were women, and this is who we have even hired right now, and this is what our company has become. Our company has become a place where we give women another chance, a chance to believe in themselves again, a chance to regain their uh, their trust really in humanity, to give them a purpose. They need, they need a purpose. And all but one, I think we have hired 40 women over the last three years in and out. I would say one did not have a toxic mother. Interesting. Wow. wow. It. So it's you're stu- saying that 39, roughly out of 40 people, had a toxic. I won't say a difficult- mother that just made bad choices. I'm a mother that made bad bad decisions and bad choices. We've all made bad decisions, right? I'm talking a toxic mother, wow. one who started their child on drugs, one who started their child on prostitution, one who would feed their their kids drugs just so they would just go to sleep, so they could do whatever they needed to do in the other room with men. Whatever it it's literally jaw dropping, jaw dropping, and if that's happening in my little neck of the woods, what is going on in the rest of America? Of course, I did not know all of this when I when I hired. How I, it would have scared me to, to death. find that out. Let's talk about that one by one, getting to know each individual lady that would come in, and where are they in their life? Because that's not an easy thing to say, this is how I grew up. No, you're right. In such a dysfunctional way. You're very right. Not loving myself through all of that. Where where are they in their journey for them to come and say, okay, now I'm ready to really be responsible and come and be a part of your company? What we wanted to do, and I think what we have done, is even just the place itself. Just when when you walk in the door, you understand that no one's going to judge you. Because if they do, they're judging themselves because everyone has the same background. So there's no condemnation. There's no judging. There's hope. There's also busyness. We're making jewelry. We're not sitting around discussing our problems. That's not what you're coming to do. But it's an environment that's relaxed enough where these women are sharing with them with each other. And, I mean, it's a long, it's probably an eight, eight-foot-long table by three across, and they just sit around it. You're, you're looking at each other all day long making Are they jewelry. all in recovery? Well, some are. Some are past, past recovery homes and recover, in rehabs. Mm-hmm. And another thing I've learned in this three years is I am not equipped to handle these women that are coming straight out of the addiction. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Cause it's Those don't work easy. out well for me yeah. because I don't know and I'm not trained to handle that. So now I say you have to be sober a year. Sometimes we'll make an exception 10 to 12 months. Um, I have one girl that has been with us two different times because I just keep taking her back. Because, you know, I fall in love with these women, and I want what's best for them. I cannot save them, but we can give them an opportunity to get the help that we need. Right, and for them, for them to make better choices Exactly. For them. And they know yes. that some, some of these women do not like the boundaries of a work environment. They do not like to be told when to come to work and when that they can leave and that they can't smoke every hour for 15 minutes. They have a break every four hours. They don't like those rules, and they haven't lived under those rules for many years, and they're used to manipulating people to get what they want. What age group are they? 
all ages, mm. all ages from 21 to I think we had someone in their late 60s. At one time. So are you largely, giving them the are you just on your last point? Are you mm-hmm. giving them the discipline by saying you have to come in at this hour? Yes. And you, you have to. And you're this is the real. This is the real world structure. Right. It's the real world, right. and they ha- they have to do that. Um, now we'll, we'll give them second chances and third chances. You know, <laughs> is, it, is it predominantly opioid addiction that you're seeing? Every single one of them, I can say this, 100% of them have been addicted to um, or have taken Xanax. I'll say that. Every single one of them have been on that. Mm -hmm. But one rule that we instill in the company is you you have to be clean of all of that to work here. So I don't care if a doctor describes it, uh, prescribes it or not. You cannot be on any type of medication like that because it's an excuse. So not everybody needs to cover their problems and their anxiety with a pill. You got to learn how to deal with it. So and then once once you're getting on that, if it if your drug test proves that you're on Xanax, we will ask you, tell you you've got to get off of that, and we'll we'll test you in another week or so. But if you refuse, you just can't you can't work. So in with us. in in part of your job description, people mm-hmm. are getting tested for drug use, all, random all the time, wow. constantly, and they know it. They know it. And is there support in town for them on an emotional? Absolutely, yes. We have wonderful places, but again, they're voluntary. So these ladies are. We, my church family has some. Um, We have homes that they can live in and pay rent that they're held accountable during the week. But again, it's it's a choice if they want to go do that. And they're Um, breaking the pattern of their mothers who abuse them. So So some some of the mothers are still controlling their lives. And another thing that I think God has taken control of is we're not saying that you you can't work here unless you're a drug addict. <laughs> we right. never put that out there, you know, but it just seems that that's who's coming to us. And so um, it used to be when I first said, don't, you know, whenever they fill out an application, don't make sure that they understand they can check that box. Have you ever committed a felony? I mean, most of them have been in jail or prison mm-hmm. as right. well. And so I don't want them to lie on an application to get a job. We're okay with your background, and we'll give you a chance. We're not obligated to you. We have a three-month trial period. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out both ways. So I'm trying my best to treat to treat it as a business, but to help these women and not enable them. I do right. not. I, I'm not going to do that. It's not my personality. It's not in my. It's not in my blood. I can't do it because it's it's mine and it's our money. Mine and Jason's money that started this, and so it's not something. It's not a charity. It's not something that we're going to go out and fundraise for and hand you a check, no matter if you produce or not. That's one thing I was really strong about is that this is a business. And once we start making money, it will be because of your hard work. Mm -hmm. You will have earned it. You will not have just been given a paycheck because you're a a needy victim. You're a beautiful spoke in the wheel, actually, of recovery, (laughs) right? Of being in. Yeah, I think so. Yes, it's working. And you're actually creating a job and a business for them. Right, to support themselves in an environment that's very encouraging. Right. And just, also, we make beautiful jewelry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, right, let's get to that. So yes. you make jewelry. What happens? So people come on. How do they find your jewelry? Okay, we have a website, and it's called laminindesigns.com. Spell it. Okay, L-A-M-I-N-I-N designs.com. And where did the name Laminin come from? It came from a speech that Louis Giglio gave years ago describing a protein molecule that is in our bodies. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of them. They hold everything together. All of our cells, all of our ligaments, they hold it all together. If you blow that protein molecule up thousands of times under a microscope, it looks like the cross. So, our mantra verse is Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. But the ladies also hold each other together as well. I cannot relate. I cannot relate one iota to how they were raised. I was not raised with an ounce of alcohol in our house, no drugs, anything. I was a supportive, loving family. And you married and fell and in And married love into and, a supporting, right, loving, loving family. family. And so, you raised your children— in a, a supporting, loving, loving family. family. That's right. Not perfect, but supporting and loving. Mm-hmm. We're all human and we're all making mistakes. How do you, I mean, you started the company just like, oh, I'm going to do jewelry. And now it's turned into this beautifully purposed company. Yes. How do you feel about the path 
well, that this has taken you on in it's, this. Um, I feel wonderful, honestly. I do, I, because of the women, because they are so excited for me to be here right here sitting in this chair. They they are so excited that I'm here in L.A., you know, promoting the business because they want it to succeed. And I've told them, every one of them, laminin may be just a stepping stone for you to go somewhere else, or it may be the career you have for the rest of your life if you want to be here and put your heart in it and grow the company. And we've had both. They've chosen, you know, both of those have been chosen. Is this a for-profit business? It's a for-profit business, and it will be one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it will be. But um, And how do our listeners find you? They can go to laminin, L-A-M-I-N-I-N, designs.com, and a lot of the women's stories are right there. We're, we have the women, and they are the ones who are wearing the jewelry, who are writing little blogs. We have a blog on there that they'll write about some of their transformations. Yeah, it's beautiful, actually. Thank I was, you. I was yes. Yesterday. Mm-hmm. What's so, next for you? You've had some, you know, beyond your wildest probably <laughs> dreams right. of oh, like, what's all That's why this? I said I quit limiting God quite a few years so ago. <laughs> what, is there anything else on the horizon or anything um, you would love to do? You know, right now, um, I'd love to be a grandma, but I don't think Reed and Brighton have any plans yet. Yet she, uh, they live in Nashville. Reed married Brighton in 2016, and they live in Nashville. And she just started uh, last week as an RN at Vanderbilt Emergency Room, mm-hmm. and so she uh, she was super excited about that. And so when they have grandchildren, I'm going to be making lots of trips to Nashville. My friend so. here is a grandmother. I just oh, became really? yeah. yeah, my, my yeah. little big grandbaby's four weeks old today. Oh. That's yeah. wonderful. But trust me when I tell you, I have four sons, as I said. Yes. They take such a damn long time. I'm telling you right now, I could not get them to move any faster than they did. But now I have, I can't even complain anymore. It yes. doesn't matter anyway, because yes. you have sons, you know, you cannot tell them what to do. No. No, no matter how hard you try anymore. and how no, hard you want to, anymore. they can just, they don't listen to you. That's right. This well, is very exciting. I'm mm-hmm. very, um, I'm so touched by this. The fact that you have, think about that mathematically, right? You have, how many women work for you now? Right now there are seven. So those seven women, and I'm sure that there have been others through they your have. path that mm-hmm. you've had, you know, the ripple effect of seven women or 10 women or 20 women or 30 women that go out into the universe and have had an opportunity to spend time working and form a partnership and a camaraderie and, you know, theoretically break the cycle of this addiction and live a better life. I mean, that is paying it forward in every way. Mm -hmm. I hope so. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. Yes. What's next for you? Well, um... Ah, this is a you lot. Know, it's like, you've got Mia Moo, you've got Laminin, you've got your husband. Speaking you sp- of Mia Moo, we have a huge fundraiser coming up in a couple of months that if, if anyone wants to to come and, and meet us, we have, uh, we're, we're, it's called Poker at the Plantation. They get to play poker with the guys, but it's uh, we had a big fundraiser that we did the first time last year, and they come and buy a table and play poker, and all of the proceeds go to the families of Mia Moo. And what we did was the following day, we basically flipped our our event center and turned it into really honestly what we called the fund day fun day for all the families that we've helped and it's not just about giving them money or paying off some of their debt but it's about giving them support and we realized how important that was so we're having that again at the end of September, and the, the information is on miamu.org if they want to get involved in that. It That's was a, a lot of work. It was a I wonderful, run. wonderful time, but it yeah. was a lot of work. It's we learned a lot. A lot. Of work. I do yes. a lot of fundraising uh, for a charity that I started a number of years back, and I know how hard the work is. Yes. We sit up until the middle of the night getting making sure everything gets done. Yes. I will tell you, I, I'm extremely happy to say that in the, char- in the not-for-profit work that I do, we have never not been paid. Every single time somebody, you know, orders a ticket and we, you know, allow them to have admission to something that we're working on, we've gotten paid 100% of the time. And I know that, you know, sometimes you have to chase these people down. They say they're going to come, they show up, you let them in the door and then they don't pay you. Yeah. You know, when you do, when you do work like this and it's not for profit work, it's really important to support the charity and actually write the check. Yes, it is. (laughs) And we'll, we'll have an auction too. So, you know, we'll take, we'll take, we're looking for really awesome things that people will bid on and and take home with them and pay way too much more money than, than, than they're worth, but it's all going to go to the kids. So. I tell you, you're living a spectacular life. Yeah. <laughs> Thank really. you. I feel very blessed. You are so generous of spirit and the way that you're living your life. I'm in awe of you. 
Oh, really? No. And the influence you've had in this country at a time when things are a little crazy and divided and to have those beautiful heart-centered family values and to have yes. had that opportunity and platform yes. to yes. share the authenticity, as you said, I right. love that word, the authenticity of your right. family right. and all of that. Um, well, it, it's come, it comes from our, our values, our, our core values. It's not, you know, I had a reporter ask me at the very beginning of the whole blow up of Duck Dynasty, like, so did y'all, did your family like come together and decide that the thing that y'all were going to stand on was, um, you know, to get out there, your platform was going to be this Christian stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, it's amazing how people. We talk. actually <laughs> never had a meeting about that, you know. Um, it's just who we are, right. and so you know, God trusted us, entrusted us with this platform that He gave us, and so we feel very grateful. But we do feel respons- a responsibility. Wow. How many families can say that they've mm-hmm. given a platform like this? Are you happy so, that the cameras are gone? Yes. Yes. I mean, it was fun. It really was fun, but it was also very stressful. It wasn't just like they followed you around every day and just, you know, you just pranced in front of a camera. It was a lot of work. (laughs) It was a lot of work. And even working with the production company and battling with what you wanted to say versus what they wanted you to say. And it was many late hours and many, many stressful nights. My husband was heavily involved in, you know, getting all of that you know, where, what we wanted to say. We had, he had a lot of battles. Absolutely yes. amazing meeting you. Any, uh, well, thank you. Thank, thank you so much yes, for really us today thank you for so having that we can me. share your story yes. and all the good work you're yes. doing through Thank you for giving publicity for to what to what we're doing because, you know, I, I've told the ladies, I'm not in this to make money and uh, I, I've got plenty, really. And anytime we, if we will make money, we want to put it back into the business right. to grow it and to hire more women. There's many more women that come to us and say, "Do you? Can I work there?" And we just don't have the work for you yet. And I want to be able to say yes to every woman that wants to change their life and get off the street and get a, a more healthy relationship with their children, get their children back once they've been taken away. Just so many different stories individually. So I want to be able to help as many as many as we can. And I think that we're doing that pretty successfully, a little slowly. So I'd like to speed that process up. So my whole deal when somebody says, how can we help you? How can we help the women of Laminin? I have three words. Buy the jewelry. That's how you can help us. Thank you. Great. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening to Say It Forward. Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 